0: We wanted to start a company, a software company, and we called it Opal before we even knew what we were going to do. And at that time though, it was like nights and weekends, just kind of chipping away at getting software off the ground. And we built like a ton of products that were total misses, right? Like you launch it, misses, launch it, miss, launch, miss. Like and you know learned a lot about just continuing like basically the fortitude that it takes to get anything off the ground you have to just keep going keep going keep going keep going keep going and and you're going to hit a lot of adversity along the way and many signals that tell you that you shouldn't be doing this at all and most agencies that try to launch a software project end up either killing the agency or returning back to like dying (laughs) killing the agency or returning back to the agency model because it's really hard
1: all branding is personal And it's not about who you say you are. It's about who you are and how you say it. I'm Hirsch Rapun, copywriter, comedian and brand voice expert. I've helped hundreds of companies fine tune their messaging. And now I'm sitting down with some of the most ambitious and imaginative founders around who share their seven figure stories and their next figure goals. Let's hit the brand voice runway. Hitting the brand voice runway with me today is George Huff. George is the CEO of Opal. Opal is a MarTech platform that's used by well-known brands. I mean, you may have heard of Target, Starbucks, Whole Foods, 3M. Opal's current operations platform produces exceptional results, such as letting Target tell a story across 300 pieces of content every day day. And having worked in the advertising industry for a long time, I know what the process of creating content is like and staying on brand. So there's a lot to dig into here as we talk about the Opal brand voice. And welcome, George, to the show.
0: Awesome. Good to be here, Hirsch. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Let's begin with scale. Scale is a word that we throw around a lot. People talk about, you know, I want to scale my business. I want to get up to scale. I want what, what's your what's your sense of what scale means to a business?
0: Well, let's see. I we're getting right into the big question. It's the one that I've been <laughs> obsessed about for my whole career. Maybe not my whole career, at least through the, the whole period. But scale is really w- within the context of marketing and, and organizations, scale is basically complexity. Everything gets harder with scale. It's also a sign that like you're doing you're working. Basically on a platform of a lot of impact and influence, you have like millions and millions of customers and you're thinking about things, you know, just on such a large basis compared to if you're just thinking about, you know, one social media channel or something like that for a business. And so that complexity, there's so much flavor to it, right? All kinds of different issues that you're going to have to deal with complexity. And, you know, we find ourselves rubbing elbows with those folks a lot, given the nature of our customers.
1: Yeah. You have a tech background.
0: I have an everything background, Hirsch. I've done it all.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, give me the highlights from your point of view.
0: I would say that the internet was probably my first love. And so, and this is coming out of Alaska where I grew up. I grew up on a small town, in a small town in Alaska. Internet was sort of my like first connection to the world, so to speak. Right. And so with that, I kind of followed that along It helped me get my first job just knowing how to build websites because I taught myself how to do all that stuff. And, you know, I obviously was into Photoshop and designing and stuff like that. I was really fascinated about people and connections and how like where all this was going. And so when social and content really exploded, I found myself working alongside a lot of really forward thinking marketers who were thinking about scale. They were thinking about, you know, in the case of one of my sort of inspirations for the platform was watching Nike struggle with like 650 global social media accounts with like a person in each market running each one of those accounts without any kind of governance controls at all. And just watching that kind of unfold as like, a, well, if I could solve that problem with software, because that's where I was trying to take my career was like just being more in software rather than like agency, then th- that would be an interesting thing. And so I started Opal probably about five years into my career and then had another age, had an agency in between. So I, I, I worked a job. I realized I'm not a good employee. I, I did an agency for about two and a half, probably about five years in total, but had some overlap there. And then I started Opal with, with some people that I still work with today. So that's been the the, the arc. And, and Opal got started and like really, truly got started. Product market fit, hit our first jump and ramp in 2013. And it's been an insane journey since then, just because of the nature of the problems you're kind of solving, you're trying to solve the customers you're working with, the people at your organization, trends in the world. You know, there's a pandemic in there, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, the...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's but, like, in a way, you could cut a third of the time just dealing with a pandemic. And yet you have been a pace, you know, over a decade of yeah. really substantial growth, you know? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and it's something I think we all want to hear. We, we all like see success. And we think these are people on these straight lines. It's just like incrementally, you get 10% success every year. There's been ups and downs throughout this whole thing. And, and I think that part has been really fascinating as well. So when I think about all of the parts that go into a business, the things that I'm really focused on on a day-to-day are really product, brand, and culture. And I think about culture and brand as being like two sides of the same coin. And so that's been like, there's been hits, like I said, highs and lows in this journey. But when our culture is humming, then our brand is humming. And I think that's really was, I, I took a hiatus in the CEO chair for about four years. But coming back to it, that's really you know, kind of get to like lean into that philosophy.
1: Well, that's great because that that's kind of where I was going to go next was the internal-external kind of parallels for the brand. Mm-hmm. I'm always yeah. interested, you know, I've done PR and I've done advertising and I've done, you know, copywriting and internal-external. is Like I I didn't, you know, I just happened to to go from one to the other. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't. A lot of people focus on either the message, the external message, Mm -hmm. or the internal operations Mm -hmm. of something. And even PR and advertising are very Mm -hmm. different. But I kind of learned all all of them. And I've found that it really does start from the inside out. It Mm -hmm. really isn't anything. You can't put paint over something where the other paint isn't scraped off or it hasn't been prepped, you know? Mm -hmm. So where did the Opal culture develop and evolve from when it was just a baby?
0: It's a great question. So I mentioned that I had an agency and the agency was mostly tech people building websites, building web apps, designing all that stuff. And n- no one really liked that business that was in it. You know, we like working together, but like the business itself, where you're kind of like constantly hunting for your next projects, so and you can continue to pay everybody. I mean, everything's like that. Don't get me wrong, but like an agency is especially that way because there's not like you know, well, there's not SaaS, right? So SaaS, you're looking at like this recurring revenue business model and you're going, no, that seems like a better business than the one that I'm in. At least that was how I was feeling. I may be projecting on everyone a little bit, but, you know, we wanted to start a company, a software company, and we called it Opal before we even knew what we were going to do. And at that time though, it was like nights and weekends, just kind of chipping away at getting software off the ground and we built like a ton of products that were total misses, right? Like you launch it, misses, launch it, miss, launch, miss. Like, and, you know, learned a lot about just continuing, like, basically the fortitude that it takes to get anything off the ground. You have to just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and you're going to hit a lot of adversity along the way. And many signals that tell you that you shouldn't be doing this at all. And most agencies that try to launch a software project end up, either killing the agency or returning back to, like dying, <laughs> killing the agency or returning back to the agency model because it's really hard. So we just had this n- never say die kind of attitude. I mean, we're from Oregon. That's where the Goonies are. So we like a Goonies never say die. <laughs> and we were just yeah. like, we kept going for it and really working at it. And you learn lessons with every, uh, every bit of adversity you come to. One of those lessons though, for me, was the vitamin versus pain pill lesson. You know, building products that you think would be neat or like if people like that they, they don't need basically, but like could be interesting intellectually, like they just don't really have commercial viability. Um, you really have to truly be solving a problem for someone. And so when, you know, a couple of years into that, trying to get Opal going, um, and again, that fortitude to keep going and that sort of nights and weekends and that, um, you know, stick togetherness, um, you know, and really honestly, like a culture of geeks and craft, you know, we were really into like, tech and building stuff and design and like we really spent so much time in it that like by the time that opal hit its first like all those things led to opal hitting its first hit getting its first hit and and so you know those are a lot of things that i return to but it was you know it starts with like how you treat each other like no assholes you know like the work is on the pedestal not the people you know just stuff like that that is you know it's it was just kind of ingrained in us and so kind of, you know, it was nice to come back to the CEO seat, seeing it done well, seeing it not done, not as well as it could be and thinking like, what does it mean to build this culture? And I really, I mean, day one, I said, culture is the most important thing It's on the first slide when I came back to the seat, because I do believe it's the building blocks that which everything else stems from, but especially brand, because you're, to your point, you can't put veneer on something And be like, oh, our brand's great now. Like the culture's poisonous on the inside. It just doesn't work that way.
1: Right. Um, But what a lot of answering. No, that's great. It's good stuff. (laughs) We have a good synergy because it little seems to lead us to the things that I'm thinking. So somehow you're following along my the way I'm thinking, which Mm. is great. Well, I don't know the way I'm thinking is great, but (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, if it's bad we're both thinking we can both be, so, we uh, both, yeah, be we both be We
1: both yeah <laughs> um but uh but when we think about you know a company grows and then it hits it hits seven figures and then mm-hmm. it keeps growing and now it's changing you know you may be working with similar clients but now you're working with a ton of them then it goes mm-hmm. seven figures eight figures you know what changes in terms of the perception of the brand and by whom? Mm-hmm. In other words, one thing that we can look at is you know, another kind of scaling, scaling this operation so that it's really in the spotlight and pe- people know about Opal. Mm-hmm. That's different from people coming to Opal on a recommendation or something or knowing mm-hmm. of Opal, but just mm-hmm. looking at it from 30,000 feet.
0: I think every brand, every company on their trajectory has highs and lows, like I said. I think that every moment in time requires like something different, right? And so going back to me coming back to the CEO seat real quick, when my my like I think as a leader, you have to have belief all the way at the bedrock level in order for you to be to lead a company and make it successful. And so I think that as companies go through these cycles you know, the next one, the next one, it's not this, like I said, it's not this linear thing. It's right. like literally like you start facing, like I think the best actual sort of uh, diagram for lack of a better term is that S, you've seen that S curve diagram where like yeah. companies, and, and I think that's really what we've been going through is an S curve. And so, you know, a lot of companies like they follow the S curve all the way down and then they sell for pennies on the dollar and no one ever hears about them again. Some of them find the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing, Apple's obviously a company, that has found success of S curves and, and at a scale that's mind boggling. We've been in that even small companies go through the S curves, right? You find your kind of first product market fit, which we did. We were amazing for brand social, right? That was like our first hit that we made. And we, we nailed that use case to this day. But when we try to pursue subsequent use cases. and So I think going back to what I said about leading the company at a bedrock level, you have to believe at a bedrock level, are, are the people around you, the right people, is the Culture, the way people work together, right? If you have product market fit, then I think you start getting into the external side of things. And so, to your question of when does this at that stage when you start, like, you know, what people know about you versus people being just only knowing about you because they're referred, it's a really interesting way to frame it because there is a chasm there, right? And, and it's like you can get lost trying to figure out how to tell people your story. But if you don't have all that bedrock, all those layers where you kind of like get to that point where you're ready to really go for that broader recognition, if you don't have the understanding of who you are, what you stand for, who you serve, then you can spend a lot of calories just chasing stuff that doesn't matter, like kind of just being disappointed with the results. And I think that we got stuck in that chasm first go around. We weren't really good at getting that broader message out there. And I think part of that was because we were playing from a place of fear. So we weren't, bedrock wasn't sound, right? And now kind of going back like the last two and a half years, I'm extremely confident in our company. I think we're going to do amazing things. And I think that we found our next S curve and now it's just a matter of maximizing that. And so I think with that comes our ability to get out there and tell a compelling story and find and meet the market where the opportunity is. Anyway, long. That is good. So does
1: that lead us to product? and talk a little bit about where product is going?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it actually is the other way around. Like, I think product leads us to that. Like, if I was going to say, like, Maslow's hierarchy, oh. like, but the equivalent of being companies, I think you have to have culture. Then I think you have to have product market fit. And then I think you have to have, like, a strong go-to-market strategy that is built, pr- probably, like, pr- successful customers, probably, like, after product market fit, right? But with that, though, like, just kind of go to the product market fit side, You know, if you put one before the other, I would say that we actually spent a lot of dollars in 2021 trying to get our name out there. But because we didn't quite know who we were, didn't quite have our product market fit down, we were kind of wavering and messaging. But like, as you know, it's all about consistency over time. That's how you build a brand. And so if you're kind of constantly making different promises to the market, I mean, like, one way to look at it is like, how often do you change your vision statement? You know, are you changing it every three, like we only changed three months, every three months, we're like just trying to find the right words to cling to, to find our place. And so I think that's like, again, I'm really like, I'm really obsessed with that area of overlapping S-curves because that's the messy bit where you're trying to figure out who you are and everyone looks at you like, what are they doing over there? And then eventually companies figure it out and then they have a good run. And they get back right. to it, and then you know, like. That's and in the, the beginning, the nobody's
1: nobody's listening. In the beginning, yeah. nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. You, yeah. you can put your statement out there of what you envision, and nobody totally. really, nobody really cares until you have a hit, until no. you get your hit, and then yep. your statement then pay becomes attention. about yeah. the hit. And yeah, then you, and, and,
0: and in the beginning, yeah. you're right. No one cares. Ten years ago, no one cared that Opal was trying to change who what. Like all those different product failures we had. Nobody cared. But then like once we're on that stage where we're making promises in market and and then we're like not completing them and like all of that. And that like tarnishes brand image. But like every, like, you know, time, enough time goes by, you have a chance to rebuild an image. That's just the nature of it. So I think, yeah, it is interesting because I did the hard thing in the beginning. Like I went from an agency to a product company and then 10 years later, it's almost, I would use the word turnaround, right? Like things aren't going, like things are going awesome and then they're kind of flat and they're kind of not going awesome now. And the pandemic really kind of accelerated that for us. And it was like, okay, well, how do we make things awesome again? And yeah. and that sort of back and forth swirl, I mean, you get news daily that tells you that you're going to completely <laughs> fail and completely <laughs> succeed. And you just like, you know, the psychology of that for leadership is, is kind of insane, but it's been uh, like well, this will be probably the most rewarding experience in my entire career, going through the last two years with Opal.
1: Yeah, and now, what's on the horizon, or what's next? What's the goal? Like for the next twelve months, what do you need to see have? What do you need to see happen?
0: Well, I, I kind of talked a little bit about you know clarity of vision. Um, another way to think about that is like how, how far can you afford to think? right? If you can only think two or three months ahead, which is kind of what we were for the first 18 months of my second tenure as CEO, we can only afford to think three months ahead because we were both like cash strapped. We were going through a lawsuit. Like there was so much that made it really, really hard to think, right? You didn't know which, and we didn't know who we were. So then like you get settled in a couple of these areas and you're kind of like space to think, you really understand who you are, where you're going. And Ultimately, I think it's refinement now. Like I, I have such clarity of vision. And so with that, you know, in the next 12 months, it's really just kind of working along that path. And, and to kind of zoom out a little bit, the thing that I'm obsessed most with, and it kind of goes back to your initial question about scale. How do you have organizational alignment at scale for building brand, for telling marketing stories? And I think that. That it's really hard to do. If you think about just content, it's hard, right? Like, how does all this content fit together? Right. But when you include hierarchy, which often doesn't get included when you're talking like software products, right? Like Asana, you don't care about like what your boss thinks about Asana. Your, your boss doesn't care about Asana. You're doing your work, you're managing your work with Asana. Whereas like, they may care about the output, but like the the sort of hierarchy of things, the need for a source of truth for marketing, if you look at every leader in an organization, like if you look at a finance leader, they're using NetSuite to run their business. If you look at a sales leader, they're using Salesforce to run their business. If you're a marketing leader, what do you use to run your business? You're basically using like a Strat doc that's made in PowerPoint and that's what you're using to run your business. And you're just hoping, fingers crossed, that it's all coming to life the way it it is in your head, right? And I think that some companies, Uh, seem to do all right with it, but no one's happy. And so our entire vision is for marketing to be easier. Like that's it. And and if it's easier, then people will have a better time doing it. They'll produce better work. They will make a bigger impact. And so that's how we think about it is how can we make the, the role of marketing within these large organizations easier by fully understanding how the marketing wedge fits into the pie. And so, you know, all the way from the CMO down to every single IC, and at, the, at these large companies, and it really comes down to making alignment easier. Companies spend an inordinate amount of time on alignment meetings, and when there's and 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 then sometimes when there's misalignment, fire drills, people lose nights and weekends. So you know when we think about what we're doing, it's building a platform that is the system for the marketing leader and the marketing organization to understand what's going on.
1: Yeah. And in terms of the people that you are working with and that are following you, you stay in touch with them through newsletters. How tight a how tight a connection do you keep with your followers?
0: Uh, as Opal. Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. It's funny. If I look at the different functions within our org, I think that marketing, from a maturity standpoint. It's just taken a while. I think it's taken a while because we're kind of this weird category of MarTech that doesn't really exist. It's this space between all these generic tools and other systems that you use for things like publishing and stuff. So I think it's been really, it's been a really tough task for a marketer to come in um, and and do it. So I, I think that we've you know, the question really is, and I kind of put it back on you, like, where should we be? Where do you think our listeners are? Because because I, I think that we can have a newsletter list and we can put stuff out on socials, and we can, you know, we have a lot of employee advocacy right now on social, which has been awesome. Um, that's really leading to a, a lot of inbound for us. Um, but yeah, like, where, where do you think we should be?
1: I think that you just hit on something with the employee social. I think as a company gets to your size, You know, Mm -hmm. you have to keep the it's almost like the connection with your employees is as important, if not more important than your contact with your subscriber base. But if anything, it almost has to feel uh, unified, you know, so Mm -hmm. my instinct is that after hearing you talk about this stuff, that you would somehow create something that brought these these audiences together, Mm -hmm. you don't see that very often, if at all, you don't see like a company that goes out to the people who work there as well as the people who who hire the company Mm -hmm. or use their service. Mm -hmm. But you also have a service where anyone can use it really, Mm -hmm. you know? There's there's a low barrier of entry. Anyone can use Opal and that's part of your image as well. And so I think that in a way, That would be the thing that distinguishes, you know, your communications from from other companies' communications and whether you would do that. I mean, ideally, I think you would do it through email because Mm -hmm. an opt-in is an awesome Mm -hmm. relationship. You know, that's not what Instagram or or TikTok or those things are. Those are Mm -hmm. attention getters and also meeting rooms, like places to meet people and be Mm -hmm. discovered in small dose and then it has to go somewhere to i believe to owned media you know to something that you that you own but that's that's where i that's where i see it and not everybody can do that you know it's not there are some companies where they're they're not they're they're not built like that that's not their ethos
0: is yeah it is interesting though because it goes back to like there's two things in there one is it's funny you say the newsletter because we are kind of doubling down on that strategy as we speak. But the other other piece though is the employee advocacy. And it goes back to what I was saying that if the culture is leaning in and juiced, when the company talks about something, the culture on social networks jumps on it and promotes it, right? Especially LinkedIn, because it's more of like a business professional thing. And so that's what's been really cool to see is that I think you as a leader, your responsibility is to build that, the belief that you have has to kind of bleed into everybody else in the organization of like why we're, we're doing what we're doing, why it's important. And so when you see companies that are able to pull that strategy off, it's because the insides are as good as the outsides. And that's a company you should do business with in general because they're pro- they probably back up what they say. It's really hard to get a lot of people to believe uh, at an, in, within an organization without it being true. If
1: you've enjoyed this episode of Brand Voice Runway, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. The positive reinforcement keeps us going. Who am I kidding? Founders like us keep going regardless. Thanks so much for listening and make tomorrow
0: greater than today.